That was awesome. Thank you so much. I could just sit and listen to young people all day. I'm still, uh, I don't look like a youth pastor on the outside, but I feel like a youth pastor in here because when I, when I see uh, teenagers, I just see a life of promise, a life of potential, a life of opportunity, and it's, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. This morning, um, we're just going to continue uh, on this theme, and it's food for thought, spiritual nutrition from the book of Proverbs. And this week, it's will you do what it takes to get wisdom? And now, guys, up in the booth, I'm going to give you the direction. It's going to be slide number 12, the if, if, if slide. We're going to go right there for, for real this morning. Um, we're in Proverbs chapter 2, and in Proverbs 2, it's divided up like this. It's divided if, if, if. It's conditional at the beginning, the first four verses. It says, if you will, if you will, if you will, and then there's a then and a then to it. Then this will happen, and this will happen, and that's the result. And then after that, we've got to save you, save you. There are two sections that each start in the Hebrew with the word save you. It's emphasizing if you do this, then this will happen, and the continuing result will be that it will save you from the evil person who just says, hey, come on, come on, it'll be okay, come on, let's do it, come on, we'll have fun. And it'll also save you, secondly, from the person who's trying to entice you into sexual sin. Those two things, power and ill-gotten gain and evil, and then sexual temptation and sexual sin, those two uh, struggles in life, if you will do this, then this will happen, and it'll save you from those two things. And at the end of the passage, you have a therefore. So on this theme of young people and fellowship of Christian athletes, trying to get to kids when they're young so we don't have to worry about people when they're older. Isn't it nice to see somebody who's lived a life of blessing, lived a life of goodness, a life that the pain that came was the pain of life that betters somebody, that deepens somebody, that, that, that takes their character that much further. Just the, the regular stuff that we all go through in a broken world. And not so much the pain of regret that, oh, I shouldn't have done this. And in the book of Proverbs, as we go through here, there's, there's always this, this uh, duality, this choice between good and evil, between right and wrong, between the wise and the fool, uh, between wisdom and foolishness. And we see it in our passage this morning. So in uh, Proverbs chapter 2, the first four verses say, my son, if, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, and then he does the thence. But look at this passage and look at the increasing intensity of it. 
First it says, if you just accept my words. And this is so, this is so applicable to so many different parts of Scripture. If you accept my words. Now, Solomon is speaking to his son and saying, accept my words of wisdom. But the biblical Proverbs, the very mind and heart of God, the wisdom of God, which then when you get into the New Testament in 1 Corinthians, the wisdom of God is identified, personally identified as Jesus Christ, the wisdom of God and the power of God. So if you accept my words, and then if you store up my commands within you, it's the picture of that kid with the basket in his hand running around the lawn on Easter morning, grabbing eggs, hoping to get all the eggs with the candy and trying to fill up, trying to store the eggs at the Easter egg hunt, the egg hunt. And they want to get as many eggs as they can. So they're not just picking the egg up and dropping it, picking it up and dropping it, but they're storing it. If you store up my commands, but not in a basket, but within you, the commands of God, God's commands within us, if you turn your ear to wisdom and then apply your heart to understanding, indeed, if you cry out for insight, a call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, now, now you're calling for it. You're summoning it. You want it. You're, you're saying, I want you. Come here. It's like when you walk in the house and you're calling for whoever is in the house. I'm home. I'm home. Come down and see me. If you cry aloud for it, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, the loot, the bounty, the cheddar, if you will do that, but this is serious. This isn't, this isn't a passive thing where we just kind of like, oh, it'll, you know, if it's to be, it's to be. It's, I'm just going to wait for it to come to me. No, we have to go after it. We have to go after this Word of God, these commands of God, this wisdom that God has. But now in verses 5 through 11, there's two thens. 5 through 8 and then 9 through 11. They each have a then. Then what will happen? What will happen if we store up the commands of God within us? Then, verse 5, you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. The beginning in chapter 1, verse 7, it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So if you go out, you get active, and you go after it, and you grab it, and you take it, and you hang on to it, and you apply it, then you will understand the fear of the Lord, and you will find the knowledge of God. Why? Why will you? Because, verse 6, because the Lord gives wisdom. He gives wisdom. And from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright. And he is a shield to those whose walk is blameless. And then in this last verse, verse 8, there's two words that are used here that are then repeated again in the next section. Guard and protect. It says, for he guards the course of the just, the way, the life of the just, the righteous one. And he protects the way of his faithful ones. He guards and protects. Why will you understand the fear of the Lord? Why will you find the knowledge of God? Because the Lord gives it. He gives wisdom. He gives wisdom. He, I love that. He holds success in store. 
It's like at the end of a race, there's the prize. You just got to run the race, and he's got it for you. He holds it in store for the upright. That's the first then. And then beginning in verse 9, there's the second then. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair, every good path. Well, why? Why will you understand the good way, the right life? Because, verse 10, wisdom will enter your heart. Verse 6 was because the Lord gives wisdom. It's repeated again, because wisdom will enter your heart. It's about wisdom. And knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you, and understanding will guard you. There are those two words again, protection and being guarded. We all need this. We all need to be guarded and protected by God. We need God's wisdom and knowledge and understanding. And if we search for it, if we cry out for it, if we call for it, God will give it to us because he gives wisdom. And he holds success in store for the upright. And then there's these two sections that both start out with the word, uh, I wrote it down here, natsal, natsal, deliverance, saving, will save you. Wisdom will save you, verse 12, from the ways of wicked men or wicked people, from men, from people whose words are perverse, who have left the straight paths to walk in dark ways. Makes me think of that path behind the high school, right? You stay on the path, or then there's those little cutoffs, those little cutoffs where you can go and do whatever you want, right? Who leave the straight path and walk in dark ways. Who delight in doing wrong and rejoice in the perverseness of evil. Whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. It says, wisdom will save you from the ways of the wicked people. Wisdom will save you from all that. If we call out for it, if we look to God for wisdom, if we store up his words within us, that will save us from all that stuff. And it's interesting, in verse 12, the word wisdom is there in my NIV, but in some translations, it's not there. The word wisdom isn't there. They're pulling it from verse 10, where it says wisdom will enter your heart. But they really should pull, and knowledge, and discretion, and understanding too. Because that's what, it'd be kind of clunky. But they're trying to add some understanding there. What will save you from the ways of wicked men? Well, wisdom, and knowledge, and discretion, and understanding. All of those things that God gives, all those things that God holds in store for those who come after him, those things will save us from the ways of wicked people who delight in doing wrong and who rejoice in the perverseness of evil. There are those people. Those are the kind of people you don't want to hang around. Then there's the second section that says, save you. This is another result. Wisdom and discretion and knowledge and understanding will save you also from the adulterous woman. This section is synonymous with sexual sin. From the wayward woman with her seductive words, who has left 
the partner of her youth and ignored the covenant she made before God. Now, this isn't a gender thing. You could, you could switch it and say the adulterous man, the wayward man with his seductive words, who left the wife of his youth and ignored the covenant he made before God. Surely her house leads down to death and her paths to the spirits of the dead. None who go to her return or attain the paths of life. Those two, those last two verses, they get repeated again. A little bit in chapter 5 and in chapter 6 and in chapter 7. And it's a caution to sexual sin. It's a caution to this sin that is unlike any other sin that Paul talks about because he says it's a sin against our own body. And over and over, it likens the, the end result of this sin to be death, the end result of this sin to be the grave because it kills us on the inside. It, it wounds us. It mars us. It disfigures our soul. And it says in verse 18, that way, that sexual sin leads down to death to the spirits of the dead. And none who go in that direction return or attain the paths of life. And again, in chapter 7, it's laid out, if you could use this term, exquisitely. The picture of the young man who's walking down the street and goes the wrong way and gets involved in the wrong things in life. What is it today? What is it today where sexual sin resides. We all know where it is. Pornography is the most ubiquitous, pervasive purveyor of sexual sin in our society. And if you take those first four verses of Proverbs 2, if you run away, if you guard yourself, if you do everything you can to stay away from that, if you flee Paul writes to Timothy and he talks about fleeing the youthful lusts. That's what has to happen, but there's more than that. That would be a whole other message. When people get caught up in pornography, there is an addiction there. Um, there's a psychological connection there that is very difficult. That's why it says the paths to the spirits of the dead return or attain but never to, again to return or attain to the paths of life. It's difficult. It's addictive. The best way to start off of that path is to open yourself up to somebody else, to find somebody who you can trust, somebody that you can talk to and open up. And you can't do it with everybody. You can't go to everybody and say, oh man, I'm really struggling with pornography. That's good. Some people, be, uh, they won't know how to handle it. But there's somebody in your life who does know how. There's somebody. I remember when the internet was first a thing. My friend Rob, who was here two and a half years ago, he and I talked to each other and kept each other accountable. And that was such a help, knowing that we both knew that we would talk we used to get together when I lived in New York. 
And this was when the internet was in its nascent stages and, and just beginning. And we would talk through that stuff, and it was so helpful because sin grows in secret. And that sin grows in secret. And now, oh my gosh, we've got these little screens, these little phones. I mean, if you're under 20, you're like, yeah, okay, boomer. You know, we've had them all my life. We didn't used to always have them, but now we do. That's what this is referring to. In fact, Proverbs, I don't know if, if you're real young and we're reading this, you might feel like, you know, you open the book up and <coughs> you know, dust off the page of this ancient tome and, uh, man, this stuff is like the Ancient of Days reading this stuff. This stuff is so applicable to everything today. It is as applicable to the ills and struggles of today than it has ever been in the history of humankind. It's very applicable. But the deliverance from this stuff, the deliverance comes in community. The deliverance comes from God, but God always delivers in community. He's given us to each other so that you've got a human being with skin next to you that can put their arm around you and talk with you and pray with you where you can encourage one another and walk alongside one another. So especially in this area of sexual sin, you can't heal yourself alone. You have to find somebody in your life that you look up to that you can trust. So if you're struggling with that this morning, I encourage you, find somebody and talk to them. And if you, you're like, I don't know who, begin to ask God, and God is gonna show you who. God, God will reveal to you who you should talk to because you can't get out of it by yourself. You think you can, and the longer you try and the longer you don't, the more guilty you'll feel, the more um, defeated you will feel, but Jesus gives us power, and the Holy Spirit gives us power, and that great power comes in community with another real person. If, if, Let's go back to the first four verses, and we're going to end there. What do you have to do if you accept my words? Do you accept God's words? As, as you sit here this morning, can you say, God, I accept your words for my life. I surrender my life to you. I yield my desires and my ambition to you. I accept your words and your teaching." and store up my commands within you. How are you storing up God's commands? Or do they go in one ear and out the other, in one eye and out the other? Or are you taking them to heart? Are you remembering them? Are you rehearsing them with other people? Turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. This is really trying. This is taking it seriously. This is coming up with a plan. If you had this big project to do at home or this big project to do at school or you and some friends had this huge trip that you wanted to take and you, you had stuff you wanted to tackle, you'd have to come up with a plan. It's the same thing in this. You have to come up with a plan. How are you going to store up God's command within you? Are you going to call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding? Are you going to pray? Are you going to ask God? Are you going to ask him and ask him and ask him and ask him? We know James chapter 1 says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. 
who gives to everyone freely. And if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, is this really what you desire? Is it something that you really want? You're willing to go the extra mile to find it. You're going to turn over the last stone to find it. Are you going to go after God and go after his wisdom? Then, then the very end of the passage, verse 21, the upright will live in the land and the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land and the unfaithful will be torn from it. But the beginning of verse 21 is the key. For the upright will live in the land and the blameless will remain in it. If you want to have that kind of a life. Now, this is written to Israel. We're not Israel. We're not back in the land of Israel with this covenant with God, the, the uh, covenant of law. The same principles apply. Then we'll live in the kingdom and we'll have a life that is blessed by God. It will remain there. So some decisions to make. And the question is, will you do what it takes to gain wisdom? Or will you be passive? Like we're passive. We, we turn on our... Does anybody turn on a television anymore? We used to have little knobs on the front. You'd actually turn them on. We'd turn them on 10 minutes early so they could warm up before the show started. Yeah. Um, where was I going? See, I lost myself in that little illustration right there. Wisdom. You've got to go after it. And God's got it for you if you want it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it says that Jesus is the wisdom of God and the power of God. Wisdom is a person. It's Jesus. That's how God gives wisdom, through Jesus. Jesus is God's, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So if you're looking for wisdom, look to Jesus. If you're looking for power, look to Jesus. Let's pray. God, thank you this morning for your word. I thank you, Lord, for the power that you will give us through our Savior Jesus, through the Spirit of God who indwells us, through the community of believers in whom you dwell. You don't only dwell in us individually, God, but you dwell in the midst of the community of believers. And wherever two or three are gathered together, to talk through the struggles of life, to pray for each other so that they could be healed. There you are. There you are in the middle of them. God, I pray for some here this morning who are struggling with pride, with, with wandering. They're off the path that they would even have for their life. Some struggle with pornography. God, I pray that you would bring deliverance pray that you'd bring somebody else that they can talk to, that they can find strength and encouragement from. And Lord, I pray for those who suffer from depression, anxiety. Lord, these are our real issues that we deal with, God. For some, it was difficult to get up this morning and to come to church. But Lord, you gave them the power and the strength. God, I pray that by your spirit you would give encouragement and strength. 
Lord, we look to you this morning. You're our God and you're our King. And we worship you in Jesus' name.